Welcome to Working for Women, the independent women's forum podcast, where we are changing the conversation about women and public policy for the better. Hey, everyone. I'm Julie Gunlock with the Independent Women's Forum and your host for today's Working for Women podcast. Today, I'm here with a a good friend, Michelle Minton, um, who is a senior fellow at the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Uh, She specializes in consumer policy. She covers regulatory issues um, that include gambling, alcohol, e-cigarettes, and food. So basically, she has all the very cool, fun issues. How are you, Michelle? Doing good, Julie. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so the reason I wanted to talk to you today was that in the last couple of weeks, we have seen a huge uptick in what I would call the media freakout about e-cigarettes. E-cigarettes in general, because they're just sort of damning the entire industry, um, as well as federal agencies, mind you. Federal agencies have been on a tear about e-cigarettes, but, um, but, but also a particular kind of e-cigarette called Juul, and that's, it's, it's, it's pronounced like, like a jewel, like a diamond, but it's, it's actually J-U-U-L, which is a very popular e-cigarette device with teens, um, which is sort of the, the way they're, they're sort of um, couching a lot of these articles, is that this is, a, this is an epidemic, this is a crisis within the teen population that they're using Juul and they're vaping. So give us a little bit of um, an explanation of, of why this has become sort of the media darling, Juul has become the media darling and sort of the face of e-cigarettes. Well, first of all, I wouldn't say Juul is not popular with teens. That's wrong. It's oh, popular. Not. With, it's popular with everybody. It's the most mm. popular e-cigarette on the market. The fact that teens, yeah. you, if you see a teen vaping, you're very likely going to see them vaping a Juul simply because it's the market leader right now. The great right. thing about that, and this and this is not something that a lot of people are reporting about, is it's not owned by one of the big tobacco companies. This is a independent right. tech company. They've never done anything with tobacco. They've only ever made e-cigarettes. And they are crushing the market right now. Okay, wait, wait a minute, wait. A minute. I'm going to back you up because that's that's so interesting. Now, you and I write on e-cigarettes. You and I know a lot about these issues, but it's interesting. You know, I go, I talk to people in my neighborhood, stay-at-home moms, and and people that work in like PR and like they they're in health. You know, they're not at all involved in this area, and they are totally confused about e-cigarettes. In fact, most of the people think that it's a cigarette. It's a traditional cigarette. Just give us a, qu- a, a like two-minute explanation of what an e-cigarette is. Sure. So they were developed in the 2000s, really only hit the U.S. market in around 2010. They are devices that contain batteries, microchips, circuitry, and some of them have uh, rechargeable bases. And you can add a pod or some kind of what's called a tank with nicotine or no nicotine. They have flavors. They really come in all shapes, sizes, varieties, types. Um, There's mech mods, which I know we're going to talk about later, which is an entirely different world that you can't even call them a vape pen because they don't look like they look more like an iPhone. I mean, most of these they've been studied since they've been around since around 2007. And what we know about them, we know what's in them. And we know basically what most of those most of those things do to human health. And every legitimate researcher who's looked at this has based even the ones who are kind of illegitimate and totally biased (laughs) will admit that there are there's less risk here. There is far less carcinogens in the vapor of an e-cigarette than there are coming from a cigarette. Those biased ones will, will be loath to say that that it's safer or that people should switch to it, even though they're saying there's fewer carcinogens coming from it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, uh, so, so then tie this in with the media's, you know, again, the sort of freak out about Juul and teen use. Talk a little bit more about that. Right, so the Juul stories really started 
around January, a little trickle, and then it really picked up in the last four months. And I've been writing a study on on this particularly. What and what I've been doing is trying to figure out is there something behind this? You know, you'll see a couple of very specific anti-tobacco groups saying it's not an orchestrated campaign. But what I found is that it absolutely is an orchestrated campaign because these journalists, you know, they're they're reading other stories about it. They're hearing anecdotes and they're like, okay, this is an interesting story. And then they go online Mm -hmm. to find out what is this jewel thing? And there's really only two sources. There's the jewel website itself. And then there's the campaign for tobacco-free kids. And all of their copy is about how horrible and dangerous and uniquely kid-friendly these jewels are. They're charged by USB, which is funny because I read that and I was like, all e-cigarettes pretty much charge via USB. And many of them happen to look like USB or thumb drives. It's not terribly unique, the jewel. It's just very popular. Right, right. Uh, Exactly. And again, you also noted, I think, which is really interesting, um, I was at a meeting with you, and you, you noted that you noticed some similarities in some of the news reports and a press release put out by the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids about how, uh, and with specifically about how they, they spelled one word. Do you, do you think that many of these reporters are just lazy and sort of copying and pasting uh, press releases? Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. There's definitely a little bit of laziness going on here, but it's not, it's not, in t- I can't totally blame the journalists. Yeah, there's, I noticed there was one word that was spelled kind of oddly in the January campaign for tobacco-free kids release. I also noticed that much of the journalistic reporting that focused on the jewel uh, was using very similar or exactly the same language saying, you know, it, each jewel pot is 200 puffs, naming very specific flavors, the ones that sound the most quote unquote kid friendly. Um, yeah. And, it was funny. Yeah, I, it's funny on that too, because I remember reading your like you talking about this, and they mentioned creme brulee as being kid friendly. I'm like, it's also adult friendly. What adult <laughs> doesn't love creme brulee? I, I mean, they, and they, they mentioned these flavors that are like, I, I have, de- I literally have never grown out of Krispy Kreme. Okay, I, like that flavor tastes good to me, and so does so does cotton candy, right? So do, yeah, I just it's funny that they always like, and I get it. Like I understand some of the packaging is questionable on some of these these brands, but which has nothing to do with Jewel. But I do, but it is funny that they think all these flavors are uniquely child. Well, gr- a lot of grown ups like hot dogs. I mean, no, yeah, and mac and not. cheese. It, these, these flavors are not really kid friendly. You know, we think, right. oh, oh, teenagers like gummy bears. But, you know, this is something Clive Bates has talked about. First of all, what teenager is going to a Michelin star rated restaurant and getting creme brulee? That's how he said right, it. Right, right. Um, but also, <laughs> he looked at, you know, he did a, a fairly. Um, unscientific polling of what what kind of flavors adolescents were vaping what they what they preferred and the majority of them preferred tobacco and whiskey they didn't prefer the kids sounding because part of smoking part of using e-cigarettes is rebellion and it's trying to look like an adult so if you're trying to look like an adult you're not going to go for the jolly rancher gummy bear flavors you're going to go for (laughs) that is one way to get ridiculed by your teenage friends i would say but also, let's also just really quickly, I think I just want to reassure people who are listening to this, you know, let's talk about the numbers of smokers, right? Can you, can you give a quick uh, uh, summary of how uh, this whole idea that Juul is a gateway or that any e-cigarettes are a gateway drug to smoking, what are, what, are kids smoking more today? No, uh, and that's, that's one of the interesting things. So the campaign for tobacco for kids cited a recent cdc tobacco youth survey report and a lot of the journalists repeated that as well saying you know there's skyrocketing numbers of teenagers vaping now it's an epidemic and what this you Mm -hmm. know 
if you look at the numbers between 2011, PS, when e-cigarettes basically didn't exist, till 2017, 16, yes, there's an overall greater number of children and adults who are vaping because they didn't exist before then. But yeah. the good news is that between 2011 and 2016 or 17 is that the overall use of tobacco has gone down. And if you just look at 2016, 2017, the number of high schoolers who vape has dropped an incredible amount. I really, amount. I would love to see a, a, an expo, an idea, a hypothetical why it happened, but it was a 30% drop. That's enormous. Yeah. And this is information that does not get out, which helps to sort of perpetuate this idea that smoking is up and vaping is up and vaping leads to smoking. And when you tell people that, data, I've done this, I've told people who are really not familiar with this issue, um, they're shocked. And, and again, I think that's part of, you know, groups like the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, like they don't want good news getting out there. It really harms them. Another, another hysterical uh, story that I saw recently, and I wanted to chat with you about this. Actually, uh, you know, I, Michelle and I are friends on Facebook, and I saw her um, uh, post this thing I thought was so interesting. She had this great analysis of, of what had happened. We're hearing a little bit, and we may see this pick up as well, about these so-called exploding e-cigarette um, devices. And there have been cases of this very, very rare. There have been cases of this, although a lot of times it, it has to do with them not being properly used, which again mm -hmm. is not often mentioned. But this latest one, Michelle, tell us about this latest story, which is actually the, the stuff of horror movies, I will say. Yes, it but is. Then you had some good, you had some good perspective on it. Cause you, when you re, when you see the story, it's basically this man's vaping device explodes in his face and it, he dies, and it, 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 the autopsy shows that it, it was embedded in his head. So it's like it's hor it's a horrifying story, of course. But Michelle, give us a little perspective on that. Yeah, I felt uh, Final Destination when I read the story. Uh, like oh, really? someone was out for this guy. Uh, no, so this is a very particular type of it. And first of all, all of these stories about exploding vape pens may as well just have the headline: Lithium Ion Battery Explodes, because that's what right. happened, and that's what happened. Right. Lithium. It's still very rare, whether it's a laptop or a phone or whatever it is. You know, this, I think it was the Samsung phones were exploding for a little while. If a lithium ion battery short circuits, or sometimes if it overheats, it can explode. Uh, vaping happens to be particularly, I think, fear inducing and terrifying because it's something we put in our mouths. We put it in our head. So right. if it explodes, it's, it's in a very dangerous spot. However, most, most vape pens, most vaping devices, like the vast majority of them have something called a safety chip in them. And this modifies the wattage. So it protects it from shorting out and from overheating. Right. Uh, but there's another type of vape called a mech mod, which does not contain those safety features. So, and it's specifically so people can get uh, what we call chasing clouds or what I like to call uh, uh, blowing cotton, those huge plumes of vape huh. clouds. Some people for some reason love uh, so it allows them to do that, and they can they can regulate the temperature as they want it, if they want it to be warmer or cooler and all of that. But that's for real experts, people who take great care with what they are doing. It's not for novices. And this is why most vape shops will not sell those mech mods. Uh, and if they do, they, they really go to great lengths to make sure that the customer they're selling it to understands the risks and how to take care of it and how to have it not explode in your face. Uh, I don't really, right. we don't know the details of this man and what happened if there was user error or if it genu genuinely was 
a product default. I think we'll find that out as the court case moves forward because they're suing for wrongful death for this company based in the Philippines. And but one of the things that I said, I know that this story is going to be used by the Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids and all manner of anti-tobacco groups to say, this is why the FDA needs to regulate them and basically eliminate 99% of the vaping, the vaping market. And what I would say to that is, that is the worst thing you could do because right now, 99% of the market, way, way more than that, are not this type of vape pen. Uh, however, if you make it very difficult for people to get the Jewel, for example, or the Blue, or any of the other ones that are available, <clears throat> they will go online. And they might try and figure yeah. out this mech modding thing. Even if there's plenty of the big e-cigarettes that are on the market, those ones with replaceable pods or whatever it is, people, people are very specific. And they like to modify things to the, their tastes. If there's not enough variety on the market for them, they're going to try and figure it out on their own. You're probably going to end up with more people using these mech mods than, than there would be right now. So I said that's actually a more dangerous situation because they're going to be getting them online from overseas. They're not going to be approved by our FDA anyway. This is what's been happening in Australia. So Australia has basically had a vape ban for uh, a couple of years, and it hasn't really stopped most people from doing it. Uh, they've just gone online and bought them from China or the U.S. or wherever they can get them. Yeah. Um, lastly, before we before we end this, I just want you to um, give people a sense of why e-cigarettes are so important. Um, and and many of the like you said, I think this is I think it's really important that we point out that Jewel is an independent startup. Uh, business. I, I think they're they're in San Francisco, isn't that correct, Michelle? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Um, yeah, it really defies the it defies the storyline that the anti-tobacco people love to tell, which is vapes are just a way to hook children on nicotine and create a whole new generation of smokers. This gateway idea that has never been proven. And I think it was Dr. Lyon Shahab who said, from his research, if there's any gateway effect, e-cigarettes are a gateway out of smoking. And this is for kids yeah. and adults. And obviously, we don't want kids to be vaping if they're not smoking. If they're not vaping. We don't want to encourage them to start it because there might be, I mean, there's certainly some risk that goes along with nicotine, just as there is with caffeine. Uh, so watch those yeah. sodas, kids. Uh, but if you have a teenager who is a smoker or they're going to be a smoker, we would yeah. rather we would rather have them vape than smoke. And this is something someone said at a, at a conference I was at recently. Uh, it was it was Clive Bates again. He said, you know, the FDA said, we're not, Mitch Zeller said, I'm not going to talk about the children because they shouldn't be vaping anyway. And he said, that's a ludicrous stance to take. That it's, they a ludic yeah, it, it's dangerous. And, you know, you think about, I, you know, I'm a mother of three boys. Like I can pretend on Facebook and, uh, you know, out there, you know, in, you know, when I'm talking to people that, oh, my kids are perfect. There's no, nothing wrong. Right. But the mm -hmm. thing is, is that my kids will probably, I'm not a, you know, I'm not adult. I know my kids will probably do things that I don't want them to do. And I want them to have, I want them to have information about the fact that vaping and e-cigarettes is, you know, 95% less harmful than traditional cigarettes. Traditional yeah. cigarettes are dangerous. They will alter your health. And that is yes. something that I want my children to know. And this idea of like, let's not let, like, let's pretend Let's pretend that, that kids don't do rebellious things. And it's kind of interesting because you see a lot of this um, sort of vaping hysteria and also misinformation about vaping from the left, which mm -hmm. the left has a, has a strong tradition of harm reduction, of yes. you know, let's pass out condoms, let's pass out needles. Let's, you know, and then you see this sort of reversal when it comes to vaping yes. on an issue that can cause cancer. It's on, uh, you know, to, to try to 
uh, misinform people um, about a product that can that can prevent uh, people uh, coming down. So it's it's very frustrating, I think, um, to see how this argument is, um, or how this issue is is being um, laid out. I agree. It's entirely frustrating when you say, you know, oh, kids shouldn't be vaping, therefore we should not tell them that they're safer than e-cigarettes. That's like saying, well, kids are not going to have, teenagers are not going to have sex, therefore we're not going to teach them, or they shouldn't have it, so we're not going to teach them anything about safe sex. And like, that's exactly what you criticized uh, moralists back in the day for doing, is saying this abstinence approach. And now that, you know, there are some really good researchers out there. Frankly, the really good ones aren't out in the news very often talking about this stuff because that's not what there to do and the really biased ones tend to be kind of uh media friendly let's say it was put it that way a nice right. way they really like to get well, out I, their rhetoric out. you know i think i think a lot of you know conservatives um you know sort of abstinence only conservatives or evangelicals or people on the right you know there are an awful lot of people who think you can do both you can say you know what i don't want you having sex there are but then that then then pointing out like there are things that um, that can prevent disease and and you know pregnancy and all this you can you can do both and I I don't understand this failure on the left to recognize that you can yes say look kids I don't want you vaping I don't want you smoking but like of the two one is far less harmful one will not give you cancer um, it's just unfair and it's real I think it's really dangerous I, I've been disappointed to see how Dick Durbin Senator Dick Durbin from Illinois has been pursuing this and the misinformation from groups like the campaign for smoke free kids that's uh, entirely, uh, and also a lot of the organizations, like American Heart Association, American Cancer Society, these groups also have a responsibility um, to point this out. So, uh, Michelle, this has been great. I think I hope that we've corrected a lot of the misinformation out there, and I really appreciate you coming on. Can you just tell our listeners uh, a little bit about your organization and give them the website? Right. So I work at CEI. It's a libertarian think tank in D.C. Uh, as Julie said, my wheelhouse is sort of the vice beat Uh, And yeah, we do a lot of stuff. It's a really fun, interesting organization. We're saying things a lot of other groups aren't, except for, I guess we share a lot with IWF, but uh, you can check us out at (laughs) CI.org. Michelle's a great writer on these subjects. Definitely check them out. Um, And I really want to thank our listeners for tuning in. uh, And thanks. Thank you to Michelle for coming on and being a guest today. Thanks so much for having me. This has been another edition of the Working for Women podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate a rating and review at iTunes because those reviews help more people find the show. Thanks again. And you can also check out IWF.org for more more information on a variety of issues and more fun podcasts. Thanks so much. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please give it a thumbs up, share it on social media, or Stop by IWF.org for similar content.